Well, good afternoon. It's good to be together, and it's good to be able to open up God's Word together. So let's pray, and let's ask our Father to be with us. Father, thank you for lifting our hearts and our voices to you in praise. We have, we have seen, we have heard, we have sensed the excellence of your name. And Father, our prayer is that through the message of your word, we will continue to see and sense the excellence of your name, the worth of your name. Lord, teach us to love you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and out of the overflow of that love to love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, come and be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. It has been often said, it has been said for centuries and millennia that one of the great questions that we as human beings have is, why am I here? What is, what is the meaning of life? What does God want from me? What am I supposed to do with my life? Who and whose am I? These, these are the great questions of life. These are really the ultimate questions of life. And we come to a text in our preaching through the Gospel of Matthew, we come to a text that gives us the answer to those questions. Why am I here? What does God want from me? What am I supposed to do with my life? The answer, according to Jesus, is this. We are here to love God with all we are and to love our neighbors, whoever they are. We are to, here to love God with all we are and to love our neighbors, whoever they are. This, this is the definition, the very definition of a life rightly lived. We are to love God with all we are and we are to love our neighbors whoever they are. In the text that's been read just a couple of minutes ago, we once again find Jesus interacting this time with the Pharisees. If you have been here over recent weeks, you will know that there is this continuing mounting aggression against Jesus in his life and in his ministry. We are in the last very few days of his earthly life, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are taking turns attacking Christ with a series of questions, questions that are testing questions, that are trapping questions, questions that are simply aimed at trying to get him to say something wrong theologically to prove that he was a heretic or a false prophet or a false teacher. And so they come to him, the Pharisees, it's now their turn, the Pharisees come to him and say, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? It's 
This isn't really a trick question this time. It's just a flat-out, straight-out question. They're asking him, what's the greatest command? And Jesus doesn't mince words. Jesus doesn't go figurative and, and parable on them at this point. He simply answers the question. The answer to the question, what is the great commandment in the law is this. You shall love the Lord your God. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This, Jesus says, is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These Pharisees and Sadducees are taking turns trying to undermine Jesus' authority, undermine His credibility, and in this moment, He establishes His authority. He establishes His credibility by declaring the truth without any fuzziness or hesitation. Now I wonder how you would answer this question if it was asked of you. So if we were to ask you, what is the greatest command. There's probably many in this room who would be able to say, just because you've been around Christian things long enough, you'd be able to say, well, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But what I'm asking is not how you would answer the question with your words. What I'm asking is, how would your life answer the question? Not looking for what your lips can say, but what does your life say? The question is, how is your life and how are your priorities answering this question? How does your lifestyle answer the question, what is the greatest command? Or what is the meaning of your life? What is the ultimate goal of your life? If we were to ask your wife or your husband or your children or your best friends, what is the defining responsibility and goal and ambition of this person's life? What does your calendar say you love the most? What does your bank account say you love the most? What do your Sundays say? you love the most. What would all of the different aspects of your life tell you? What do they tell us about your highest love and devotion? Would your life and your priorities declare, I believe that the single most important thing in my life is to love God with all that I am and to love my neighbor as myself? How would your life answer the question that Jesus has asked? That is ultimately what we have to wrestle with, isn't it? We can go through the words of the text, we can define the terms, but at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves, are we loving God in this way? And are we loving our neighbors in this way. Let's look at the text and let's make sure we understand 
what is going on here. Each of these commands tells us whom to love and then how much to love them. Whom to love and then how much to love them. And I should tell you right now that as this day has gone on and my ongoing meditation on this message has continued, I think I'm likely to focus almost entirely on the first of these commands, which I think as God has led our worship, God has led our prophetic words today, I think God intends for us to focus on love the Lord your God. And if we are doing that rightly, there will be a spillover effect into how we love our neighbors. But we need to start with this. Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God. You shall love the Lord. You shall love the Lord your God. Now, don't make the mistake that many modern people, current contemporary people would make here. Don't make the error of thinking That Jesus is giving us a choice of which God to love here. It's not like he's saying that there are many Lord gods to choose from, and whichever one you choose, make sure to love your God, and somebody else will love his God or her God. No, there are no options here. God is not a multiple choice. There is but one Lord God. He is the God of Scripture. He is the triune God. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying that the Lord, the God of the Bible, is your God. Whether you acknowledge it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you declare it or not, whether you live it or not, He is your God and you are to love Him. This is the greatest of all Commandments. This is the supreme duty of man, of woman, to love the Lord our God. And this command appears throughout Scripture around ten times. It perhaps is the most famous form for it. It's in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. Deuteronomy 11, verse 1 and verse 13. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep His charge, keep His statutes, His rules, and His commandments always. And if you will indeed obey My commandments, that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all your heart, and with all your soul. Then there's Joshua 22 and verse 5. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to keep His commandments, and to cling to Him, and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. If you take the time to look up all the texts where we are told to love the Lord our God, you will learn that to love the Lord our God is to remember Him. To remember Him daily. It is to serve Him faithfully. It is to honor Him supremely. It is to worship Him gladly. It is to adore Him 
devoutly. It is to cherish Him dearly. It is to trust Him implicitly. It is to cling to Him tightly. It's to study Him diligently and know Him deeply and proclaim Him widely and to obey Him carefully and conscientiously. That's what it means to love the Lord our God. Now it begs a question. Why should I? Why? Why should I love the Lord our God? Can I suggest to you that the first very good reason for loving the Lord your God is because He is the Lord your God. Because He is God. And He is your God. That means He is your Maker. He is your Creator. He is your Sustainer. We really don't need any further reason to love the Lord our God than the fact that He is the Lord our God. But I would suggest to you this afternoon that there are two other reasons flowing out of that. We should love the Lord our God because He is loving and because He is lovely. He is loving and He is lovely. He is Loving. He has shown us His goodness and His kindness day after day after day after day. This world is full of the goodness of God. This world is... I was thinking just again the other day about some of the things that God has created and given to us simply and only because He is kind. And I may have said this before here, but... Let me say it again, you know, I, 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 think about, I think about lemon meringue pie. And, and I realize that God didn't have to give me taste buds. Do you, do you realize that God could have made us in such a way that we had an irresistible urge to eat food even if it tastes like sawdust? And he could have just put something inside of us that said, you got to eat that sawdust. That's not what God did. God created us with a need to eat, but then He said, I'm going to make it pleasant. I'm going to make it enjoyable. Let me put all kinds of taste buds on those tongues and let me, let me create an infinite variety of flavors. And between the taste buds and the flavors and the herbs and everything else, I'm going to give to my creatures this almost infinite variety of delicious things to enjoy. And he didn't have to do it. But why did he? Because he's good. And he's kind. And he's generous. He gave us a world that is full of color. He gave us a world that is full of culture. He gave us a world that is full of diversity. He gave us a world that is full of beauty. He, he gave us this world and He said, here, it's yours. Enjoy it. Now enjoy it my way, but enjoy it. Oh, how good God is. He is so loving to us. And we see that every day in every way. And yet, we see it most evidently and most dramatically and most powerfully in the cross. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have 
eternal life. This is the love of God. God commends His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and gave His Son for us. Why should we love God? Because He is incredibly loving. Because He has poured out His love on us. Look around. Look in the mirror. Look at the goodness of God. And then think about the fact that you're here. You're not out in the gutter somewhere. You're not desperate somewhere. You are here. Why? Because of the goodness of God. The love of God. Why should we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? You know why? Because He loves us with all of His heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's mind-boggling, but there are texts of Scripture that say that. I love you with all my heart, God says. Oh, this is why we should love Him. This is, it's not as if God is an ogre in the sky. It's not as if God is a cruel tyrant. It's not as if God is a malicious dictator. God is a loving Heavenly Father who is also the King of the universe. And he pours out His love upon us day after day after day. Manifested most wonderfully in the cross. He is loving And can I say this as well? He is lovely. He is absolutely beautiful in His triune being as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is full of light and love and virtue. He is holy. He is just. He is good. He is generous. He is pure. He is trustworthy. He is honest. He is powerful. He is sovereign. He is, in the words of Solomon, altogether lovely. If we would love the Lord our God with all of our being, then we must know, in the words of the prophet, we must know and press on to know the Lord in all the multifaceted beauty of His character and of His being. We must consider the loveliness of our God. The loveliness of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is excellent. He is perfect and complete in His being. When you consider who Jesus is, when you consider who God is, you see that He is, he is there is this divine symmetry about Him. He is a perfect balance of all good things. So that Jesus is the Lion and the Lamb. He is holy and He is happy. He is high and exalted and He is humble and lowly. He is powerful and He is mighty and He is gentle and tender. He is lawgiver and judge and He is merciful and forgiving. He is a consuming fire. But He is also a comforting brother. He is a sovereign king and He is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He is true God and He is true man. He is the source of all things and He is the end of all things. He is King of all kings and yet He's the servant of His church. He hates all sin 
And yet He loves us who are sinners with a perfect love. He is the one whose eye sees all the ugly things we ever do and whose eye sees all the needs we ever have. He is the one whose hand rules with a rod of iron over all of His enemies and that same hand wipes away all of our tears. This, this is a God, this is a Savior of infinite beauty. He is beautiful and He is fearful all at once. Many of you will know and remember even when I just said He is beautiful and fearful, I'm guessing there are some in this room who thought of Aslan the lion in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. If you don't know the story, you need to get the book. Your education is not complete until you have read the Chronicles of Narnia. All right, and in the Chronicles of Narnia, there is a lion, and he's a mighty lion. He's a golden lion. He is a great lion. And there's a group of four children who haven't met Aslan the lion yet. And they're talking to Mr. and Mrs. Anybody know? Beaver. And Mr. and Mrs. Beaver are telling them about the lion and Aslan and he is the king of the jungle and the king of the woods. And, and one of the children says, is he safe? To which I think it was Mrs. Beaver responded, no, he's a lion. He isn't safe, but he's good. He isn't safe, but he's good one of the finest summaries of the beauty and the magnificence of God that I have ever heard. He isn't safe. You mess with Him. You defy Him. Do not be mocked, Paul says. God is not mocked, Paul says. Don't defy Him. He isn't safe. But He's good. He is kind and forgiving, and merciful. He's a lion, but he's a lamb. He's the king, but he's your brother. He is Lord, and he's your friend. He is omnipotent, but he is tender. He is all things good and beautiful in one person. Why should we love the Lord our God? Because He is loving and lovely. Friends, this is the meaning of life. The, the meaning of life is to diligently study and learn and get to know your God. Don't don't rest on your Sunday school years. Don't rest on your past study or learning or sermons or whatever. Right now, in your own heart, make a commitment. I will, from this day forward, yearn and crave and long and study that I might know this God better. That I might know Him as He is in all His beauty, in all His love, in all of His goodness, so that I might love Him in the way He deserves. Do not be content with where you are right now.
Do not be content with a half-hearted love. Love the Lord your God with all, with all your soul, with all your heart. When, when I say of Galen or to Galen, I love you with all my heart, what am I saying? There are no rivals in my heart. My heart is entirely yours. God is saying, love me with all your heart. Let there be no rivals. Let there be nothing in your life that takes His place. Live today, tomorrow, each day to pursue God in all of His beauty, in all of His glory, in all of His love so that you might love Him more, so that you might love Him better, so that you might love Him more faithfully with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Give your thoughts to, about, to God. Give your study to God. Learn, learn. And with all your strength. So that all the energy you have and all the strength you have is devoted to the love of God. You say, well, does that mean I need to be reading my Bible? Every day and all day long? No, but it does mean you're going to read your Bible often. And you're never going to stop reading your Bible because that's where you learn who God is. That, does that mean that I need to pray all the time? No. But it does mean never stop praying. And it does mean Live your life consciously every single day knowing how dependent you are upon Him. Does that mean I, I need to talk to my children all the time about God and Jesus and the Gospel and the doctrine of God's Word? No, you don't need to talk to them all the time about it, but you will, if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will teach them His ways and His truth. You will do it consistently and you will do it Thoroughly, because if you love God, you want your children to love God. Well, this, does this mean that I am always going to be obedient and always going to do the right thing? No, but it does mean that every day of your life you want to be obedient and you want to do the right things. And when you do the wrong things, you seek His forgiveness. Does it mean that I'm perfect? No. But it does mean... That your life is devoted to your Creator, to your Savior, to your Redeemer, to your friend, to your brother, to Jesus. Love the Lord your God. Whom shall we love? God. How much shall we love Him? With all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when that happens, you know what else will happen? You will love the person sitting beside you. You will love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot love God genuinely without loving your neighbor. These go together. The one overflows from the other. You will love your neighbor. Whom shall we love? Your neighbor. That is, everyone who crosses your path that has any kind of need that you have the resources to meet. In your family in your community group, in your church. This means the person who's living across the street from you. It means the person who may not be your ethnicity. It, it may mean the 
young black guy or the old white guy, it doesn't matter. You love your neighbor. You love your neighbor. And how much do you love your neighbor? As you love yourself. Don't make the mistake of thinking that that's a commandment to love yourself. Nobody's ever had to be commanded to love themselves. We by instinct and by nature, even when we abuse ourselves, it is a form of self-love. Our motivation is love of self. Jesus is not saying it's okay to go out there and devote your life to yourself. He is saying recognize the fact that you already live your life full of love for yourself. Now give to your neighbor that much love. Love your neighbor as yourself. But I'm here to tell you that if you don't love God with all your heart, you will not love each other as yourself. The only way that I can love others as I am to love them is if I know and live in and dwell in and enjoy and receive and give back to God love. I need to know His love. I need to be living in the love of God. His love for me and mine for Him. If I am going to have the motivation, if I'm going to have the strength, if I'm going to have the incentive, if I'm going to have the endurance to love you. And the same goes this direction. <laughs> if, if you don't love God, you're not going to have what it takes to love me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Then love your neighbor as yourself. There are things here, folks, that you know what they do to me? They, they, they inspire both fear and joy. The, the fear part of this, when I think about loving the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know what the fear part of that is? I have never done that. Not even for a second of my life. I have never loved God with my whole being. I have never loved Him with all of my heart and all of my... You know, I don't love God. I'm standing up in front of you as a pastor right now, as a preacher of God's Word, as a man of God. And, 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 and you might be thinking, well, hey, he must be loving God with all of his heart. You know, I'm not right now. There's a part of me that loves human approval. There's a part of me that wants and craves human praise. There's a part of me that is concerned that you like me. My love for God is soiled and stained and polluted by self-love. And I can't escape it. Every good thing I have ever done has been at least partially stained by sinful motives. Either when I did it, or after I was done with it. And I'd look back and say, wow, look at me, what I did. You know what I'm talking about? So if that's the case, if the greatest of all commands is to love the Lord my God with all that I am, but I haven't ever done that, that means that every moment of every day for the last 61 years of my existence, I have been disobeying the greatest commandment. You're following that. So what debt of sin do I owe to God? An infinite death. Uh, debt. 
It's scary if we forget that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. Christ died so that all of the, the whole lifetime that I'm living, the whole lifetime of guilt that I'm living could be washed away in the blood of Christ. What amazing grace. These commandments scare me. They scare me into faith. They frighten me because I see how far short I fall. They make me run to Jesus because He died for my sins. Have you ever run to Jesus? Have you ever said, Lord Jesus, dear God in heaven, I sin all the time, every day of my life, all day long for all of my life. Please forgive me. I trust in Jesus. I trust He died for me. I trust that He rose from the dead. He's alive today and He is a Prince and a Savior for all who believe. I'm, I'm believing in Jesus. Have you ever done that? Have you never done that? If you've never done that, do that right now. Don't leave here. Still carry that massive burden of sin on your back. Be like Pilgrim in Pilgrim's Progress who looks to the cross of Christ and when he sees what Jesus does, the burden rolls off his back. You have a burden of guilt and sin and shame? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. These teachings, these commands, they inspire fear that leads to faith. And then they inspire joy. Wow. What does all this mean? It means that the God of the universe wants to have with me a loving, personal relationship. <laughs> he who formed the galaxies, he who spoke, everything into existence, who has the power of being and creating in his mere words, that being, that being says to Tim Shorey and to each one of us, I love you. And here's what I ask of you. You love me. Family, friendship, love in relationship with the living God. Isn't that amazing? These commands inspire fear that lead to faith, but they should also inspire joy that leads to worship, that leads to praise. If in your heart there needs to be some repentance, there needs to be some owning of the fact that you have not loved as you ought, either God or your neighbor, that you are guilty of lovelessness and indifference, then in your heart before God right now, repent of it. And turn from it and commit in a fresh way to love God and to love your neighbor. And if in a fresh experience of 
grace and forgiveness and the knowledge that God in His love for you asks for your love in return and He wants to have this kind of relationship with you and you're seeing the beauty of Christ and the excellency of Christ, if all of that is swelling up in your heart and in your mind, then I would suggest that we all stand together and sing. I think we need to respond, don't you? Uh, How excellent. How excellent is His name in all the earth. How excellent. How excellent is the name and the worth and the value and the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ. How marvelous is His love. How stunning. Stunning is His beauty. Let's sing. Let's celebrate. Let's stand. Let's worship. Let's give to Him with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our strength. Worship in these next few minutes with everything you've got to give praise to our God who is worthy of it all. Amen.